This is episode 7 of Papercut for April 26, 2021. Welcome to episode 7 of Papercut for Nyack Library's podcast. Our guests are Belinda Cash and Lori Liddell. Do you guys want to say a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm, a, uh, I'm a reference librarian at the Nyack Library. I'm, um, we're talking about gardening today, so I'm happy to say that I'm the person at the library that buys all the gardening books, which is a really fun part of my job. Well, you're also the person at the library who fills our seed exchange orders. So uh, yes, that is a little yes. bit to do with gardening. Uh, that, that's a lot to do with gardening. <laughs> I'm Laurie Nudell. I'm a reference librarian at Finkelstein now. I'm one of the co-founders of the Nyack Seed Exchange with Jennifer Junta. And we started it uh, with the encouragement of support of Belinda Cash and Claudia Uccellani. I hope I got her last name right, I'm not sure. That was uh, how the seed exchange got started. And when was that maybe? It was five years ago. Oh, okay, 2016. Yeah, I think the, the idea came up in August or September. You and Claudia connected Jennifer and I. Uh, the director at Nyack at the time decided that she would support it, but it shouldn't take any of the librarians time. So that kind of took you and Claudia out of out of the mix at that point, and Jennifer, Jennifer and I uh, started the setup. Thank you both for being here. I'm Tracy Dunstan. I'm Rosemary Farrell. And George is not with us today, but she'll be on the next episode. Um, and this episode, like we were just talking about, is about native gardening and the Niagara Library Seed Exchange. It's kind of an episode takeover, if you will. Yes because these Lori and Belinda know far more about gardening than Tracy and I, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, I was curious about, and you each can take turn answering this, um, how did you get started in, in gardening? Or do you have a particular memory that pops in your head as like an inspirational memory or something that, um, or, or a person that inspired you to get into gardening? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn. Um, first flower I can remember was the dandelion. We used to pick them for our mothers. Uh, outside the kitchen window, we had a Rose of Sharon, and I still have an awful lot of fondness for the Rose of Sharon, although uh, my suburban Long Island husband thinks of it as kind of a weed. Um, but the real inspiration for me was my father's sister, my Aunt Hilda, who had a garden in Mill Basin. And she had tons and tons of uh, money plant, which I now have tons and tons of, because it is kind of weedy. Uh, but every time I see it, I still think of her. And she had uh, roses and tiger lilies and strawberries. And I remember hunting for the strawberries as a kid. And um, that's really how I got started with it. Um, I grew up in the south of England where um... Everyone was a gardener, really, but I guess my biggest inspiration was my parents. They were both massively into garden, um, second only to golf. At the end of the workday, they would always walk around the, um, our property together. And my dad, I always remember he loved the Red Admiral butterflies that would come on the Budlia, and he would always show them to me when I was a little girl. Um, I spent my whole childhood in nature. I had a ton of alone time. I was I just hours and hours by myself. And nature was kind of my companion, my solace. Um, so it was just natural for me to become a gardener, I think. I, I first got into um, 
native garden when I had my first my first yard of my own, I guess, when I bought a house that was in South Nyack on Gurney Avenue. And um, a very strong influence was um, one day I came home and right in the flower bed, right by the front door, there was a bird I had never seen. And I was watching him for a long time. I was able to go inside, get my one bird guide. And um, now I have masses and uh, find him in the book. He stayed around for ages. He was a Northern flicker. Um, which is a kind of woodpecker. And that moment kind of um, somehow remains in my mind as, as a very exciting moment of learning that I could grow certain things in the yard and bring in specific animals to be attracted to them. And that was very exciting. Oh, and, and you also asked um, if we grow veggies or flowers. I really like, much as I love my veggies, I pretty much only grow flowers. I think one of the reasons is that I love going to the farmer's market. I love supporting the local farmers. So for the most part, I haven't delved into vegetables at all. How about you, Laurie? Do you do, you do both? Um, I used to do more vegetables than I do now. I've always been a flower gardener at mm. heart. Um, I'm completely addicted to color and form and scent, mm -hmm. uh, especially scent. Uh, I'm not strictly a native gardener at all. Uh, it's only recently that I've, I've become a little bit more aware of it and trying to incorporate more native plantings. I'm way too retinal a gardener uh, to abandon the ornamentals. And I found like, aside from tomatoes, where I feel like what you can grow is just so much better than what you can buy, that I sort of gave up on, on spending the time and the, the money and the effort to keep a vegetable garden going. I'm a little bit too neglectful for vegetables and flowers seem to tolerate that better. It's just such a battle against the um, the critters too. So so much so. Uh, the first two years I had a vegetable garden, it, it, it did brilliantly. And I thought I was some kind of gardening genius. <laughs> and then reality happened. And I realized that I just wasn't willing to put in the amount of effort that it was going to take mm. uh, to make sure that what I planted actually came through for me. And I thought, you know what, I could just go and buy these. <laughs> and, um, and that's what I've been doing more and more. But I still like cherry tomatoes, so. Mm -hmm. Thank you both. Um, I have a question for you, Lori. Um, what inspired you to start the Seed Exchange? I think you talked a little bit before, but um, how has it evolved? How has the pandemic affected it? And what's the best way to contact? Well, I, I went to library school very, very late. Um, I was uh, in school from 2014 to 2017 and special collections were a big topic of conversation then. And that was where I first heard about seed libraries. While I was in graduate school, I actually did two projects on seed libraries. Uh, and one of them, the professor knew, knew my interest and it was a group project. And she paired me up with a woman who worked at the Summers Library in Westchester. And that was an early seed library. Uh, another one of my projects was about the Richmond Seed Library in California. And when I started uh, NIACS, I, I modeled it very much a lot after Richmond's. And I posted some of their videos on the NIACS Seed Library webpage after talking to the uh, Richmond founder. Um, so I was already, you know, I had the interest with the seed planted, sorry, uh, in school. And then I think Claudia, approached me saying that she had a, 
a friend who is a community gardener who is very interested in seed libraries, and she asked if I would be interested. And you know, I kind of laughed. I said, "Yeah, you know, I've been doing a lot with that in school. I would love to start something." So she introduced me to Jennifer, and and you know, we worked it out. I will say, um, we were at Rotary yesterday, and they were all that was the most thing they were excited about was the seed exchange. She thought it was, they all thought it was very cool. So you're probably gonna get a couple more orders going there. That sounds great. Cool. It actually, I think just this year, two more seed libraries in, in Rockland have, have popped up. Uh, Nyack had the first one in Rockland, and we helped um, one get set up in Tarrytown, the Warner Seed Library. Uh, they We worked with them in helping them get set up when they started. And that was about three years ago, I think. That was with uh, Beth Hansen. Um, and this next question is for you, Belinda. How has the year been going so far? Um, well, it's my first time doing it. So, I mean, I could look at numbers from last year, but I haven't actually done the work before of um, basically, you know, receiving the emails, receiving the orders, running downstairs, stocking everything, um, keeping the inventory together. It's busy. We've had a lot of new people this year. It's been really busy. I've been, I've been really happy with it. It's kind of sad because you don't, you know, it's all, it's all by email really. And you don't get to meet the gardeners because we're just doing curbside pickup. And, um, you know, most years we've had, we've had a potluck. Have we had a potluck twice a year, Laurie, or once? I know we always, uh, we were doing twice. We had yeah, one in the, the summer in the and, fall. and one in around Thanksgiving. In, yeah, that's right. Uh, at Orangeburg. It'll be nice to get back to those and just be able to put some faces to the names of, these people that are very busy ordering seeds and planting them but i, I think it's that was a nice really piece well. of community and mm -hmm. I, I missed that also yeah you know it was good to um you know put names and faces together and um just a, a good way for for people to meet other people with the same interest in gardening mm. i think the pandemic really uh, brought up a lot of interest in gardening and I know that a lot of seed companies have reported, you know, record sales and, you know, actually have been having trouble meeting demand or they, you know, have um, not customary uh, waiting times to fill orders because the demand has been so high. So, you know, I'm not surprised to hear that you're very busy, mm. but I'm, I'm so glad that you're there and on site because it's, it's very hard to manage filling the orders without someone who's actually in the building. Yeah. All right, the next question is for both of you. What role do you think cultivating a home garden plays in, in combating climate change and promoting sustainability? Hmm. Um, I'll go first. Take it. Um, you know, one of, one of the globe's biggest problems is habitat destruction. And if you think of gardening as habitat creation, I think its role in caring for and sustaining wildlife can be huge, is huge. Um, I think it's one of those things that if everyone that is able does something, however little, you know, anybody that can, can plant a tree, plant one thing, um, if that all gets multiplied, that impact is enormous. There's a wonderful activist I've been listening to on a podcast. Um, he's an author and professor um, called Doug Tallamy. He's just written a whole book about oak trees. And um, he chooses oaks because they're especially good at sequestering carbon. 
and they have these huge root systems that help manage watersheds. They feed an enormous amount of animals, um, particularly a huge number of caterpillars and, uh, you know, a lot more animals than most trees do. And they have, um, the oaks have great leaves for what's called the leaf litter. That's, you know, the, the layer of leaves that sits on the ground when they're fallen. The, the oak leaves actually sit around on the ground for about three years, whereas something like a maple disintegrates quickly, like certainly before the end of that first winter. Um, so having all those oak leaves sitting around is really healthy for beetles and all kinds of other critters who live down on the ground, um, creating, creating more healthy soil. So um, oaks are a really good way to go. But, but I think um, home gardening is also a great educational tool for your, for your own kids growing up and for your neighbors. There are some really cool organizations that you can support, which will um, provide you with like a, a yard sign that can actually just become a conversation piece with neighbors. Um, you can certify your garden with the National Wildlife Federation. You know, you have to show that you've, you've done the work that qualifies it. And you get a sign that you are a certified wildlife habitat. You can register your pollinator garden on the pollinator pathway and order a yard sign through them. And I think, um, you know, the more visible we can make our native garden, especially, um, you know, right in the front yard, in the side yard, if it's by a, a street that people go by, I think you can, I mean, certainly in my neighborhood, you know, we've had kids stop by when we have signs outside, the kids stop by and read them. And uh, I feel like it's a great way to have an influence. Um, Back to the oaks from Doug Tallamy. I mean, if, 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 you know, if villages can become enthusiastic about this and it can become a point of pride in a village to plant a bunch of oak trees or whatever you decide, it's, um, I think it could be a wonderful impact. Yeah, so I, I would just like to add that um, gardening, it's an ongoing process of education. Mm. And um, you start to get interested, you get kind of hooked on it. You start observing uh, the land around your house. You see how the land around you reacts to weather. You get a sense of, of your plants in, in a greater environment. You see what plants thrive, you see what dies. You, you notice that dirt absorbs water better than pavement. Uh, keeping land green is really important. Uh, we see that locally when Nyack is very prone to flash flooding. It's very hilly. And when you have a lot of pavement, that water doesn't get absorbed down into the ground. It comes rushing down the street at you. Ask anyone who lives on Piermont Avenue. Um, so the, the more green that we have, the better water absorption. So that we have a local interest in preventing overdevelopment. Um, and I find that, you know, as you spend more and more time gardening, things occur to you that maybe didn't when you first started. I know for me, it was strictly about eye candy. And then it became about organics. And more recently, it becomes more about pollinators. Um, so, you know, there's always something to learn. You're never, you're never done. Thank you. Um, the next part is for everybody. We're going to talk about our favorite gardening books, favorite um, gardening books and films, favorite gardens to visit, size limit. Okay. I'm going to go first, if that's all right. 
This is Rosemary. Uh, I'm sort of teaching myself more about gardening and botany in general. So I, I listed some books or I have some books uh, that are botany books for the general public that I, I enjoy. Uh, I started um, trying to learn how to grow vegetables in my backyard uh, when I finally had space to do so. But then a groundhog family moved in a couple of years ago and just just took took them all out. <laughs> it was very distressing. Um, and they ate flowers, vegetables, whatever. So um, my plan is I'm hoping to do some research and find things that they don't like and plant and create a native, a pollinator pathway, native plant, um, little mini garden in my backyard. But this is my first year at the Nye Community Garden. I have a half plot, so I'm gonna learn a lot. I'm planning on growing um, veg mostly vegetables because I figured that I had some success with that in the past and I like to eat vegetables, I'm a vegetarian. So um, I figure I'll grow what I like to eat. But uh, botany books that I'm into or have read, there's one by Michael Largo called The Big Bad Book of Botany, which is a good intro book. It's fun. It's basically like a mini encyclopedia about plants and the plant families. Michael Pollan has written a lot of books. Um, the first one of his that I read called The Botany of Desire, which is wonderful. He's he's an extraordinarily great writer. Robin Wall Kimmerer, I think that's how you pronounce your last name. Her classic is Braiding Sweetgrass. She's a, a Native uh, American, great writer, and also a scientist. So it's this amazing combination of her reverence for nature, her knowledge, and all the scientific knowledge that she brings to it. Uh, there's, I believe he's Italian, Stefano Mancuso has written a number of books about botany and plants. And one that I'm reading now is called The Revolutionary Genius of Plants, which is really, really interesting and has beautiful fo photographs on top of everything else. There's an older book that I read in college, which was a while ago, Andrew Weil or Weil. He, he's written a lot of stuff. He has cookbooks, he has sort of new agey books, self-help books. But one of his older books was called Marriage of the Sun and Moon. And it was really interesting. He traveled all over, I believe it was South, Central and South America mostly, to research um, plants that basically alter your consciousness. And it wasn't just, he, you know, he has a chapter on poppies and cocoa, um, cocaine and heroin, but he also, you know, writes about mango season when the mangoes are just at the perfect ripeness and basically villages shut shut themselves down so that people can enjoy the mangoes and not go to work for a couple days. Um, and chili peppers, he has a whole great chapter about chili peppers. Um, as far as gardens that I, I visited that I love, there's of course the New York Botanical Gardens in the Bronx, I think are wonderful. And if you are so inclined and you have the money, uh, buying a yearly membership is really worth it. If you're, if, even if you go like twice or three times, it's worth the money. Um, Brooklyn Botanical Gardens, which are also beautiful. I used to live near there. So I'd spent a lot of time there back then. And also in Ireland, I've been lucky enough to do some traveling and there's a wonderful 
a state called Powers Cork, which is not too far outside of Dublin in Enniskerry, Ireland. And it's it's an old manor house and the grounds are just extraordinary. And of course, all around the grounds are all these beautiful um, green hills that Ireland is famous for. So that's my contribution. Lori, what do you like to read? Um, I like to read or, or more quirky books, uh, not, not necessarily instructional books. Um, the first one that came to mind was Wicked Plants uh, by Amy Stewart. And that was, I think, the first time that I really learned about uh, ricin, the compound and the, and the castor bean plant that can take you out, uh, famously used by the Breaking Bad writers as a plot device. Uh, she also wrote about monkshood, uh, which sort of amused me when I, when I was uh, getting married and I was talking to the florist about bouquets, I was really drawn to this deep purple violet flower with this really interesting shape that was in her shop. And I told her I wanted that. And she was horrified. She said, no, you can't have that in, in a wedding bouquet. It's poison. That's very bad luck. And she wouldn't let me have it. <laughs> I have it in my garden now. <laughs> Aha, Fonda. Uh, but it, it doesn't do very well there. Um, so I should probably move it, but I'm a little bit afraid to handle it. <laughs> um, Michael Pollan, I, I'm also a big fan of his. And uh, he has a new book coming out July 6th called This Is Your Mind on Plants. And uh, that one focuses on three plant drugs, opium, caffeine, and mescaline. And as an ornamental uh, flower addict, I've become really, really obsessed with poppies. Uh, I've gotten um, very involved with winter sowing uh, for seed starting, and I've had way more success with that technique than I, than I ever had with an indoor setup. And last year, I had these incredible, amazing gray poppies. And this year, I picked up breadseed poppy uh, from Cottage Creek uh, and uh, Hudson Valley Seed Company. And uh, of course, breadseed poppy is also known as Papaversumiferum, also known as the opium poppy. Uh, so that's sort of an interesting plant to me. Uh, the botany of desire was also a favorite of mine. Uh, Jamaica Kincaid, I think in the early 2000s, wrote something called My Garden Book. And what I loved about that is just how incredibly opinionated she is about plants. I mean, she has a real hatred for Asiatic lilies that uh, very, very few people can, can muster up for a plant. Um, when I first started gardening, I had a similar attitude towards tulips. And over the years, I completely transformed my opinion. Tulips became one of my favorite flowers. And a friend of mine who uh, is a painter used to say that there are no bad colors. It's just about what you put next to it. And I've come to feel that way about plants. Uh, but I don't think I could ever sell Jamaica Kincaid on putting anything near an Asiatic lily that she would feel okay about. Then the other direction for me is how flowers are represented in, in art. And there's a book that I have also, also early 2000s, which I guess was my heyday of buying books as opposed to taking them out from the library. It's called Contemporary Botanical Artists, the Shirley Sherwood Collection. And 
the uh, the drawings and paintings in this book are just stunning. They they will take your head right off. And uh, I spend a lot of happy winter days just staring at that book. Then a newer book. Uh, this is uh, called Eric Wirtz, The Life 20, and that one's from 2018. And he's a painter I just kind of stumbled across. I don't even remember how I first saw it, but he's a hyper-realist painter and his color is super saturated, super intense. And he does a lot of work with patterns and color in form and everything is realer than real. It's like if you were surrounded by flowers in, in a completely hyper alert state. The work is really amazing. And then the last book I would mention, that's actually not a book. It would be like any book or any website or anything at all on botanical drawing by Wendy Hollander. Uh, she's a botanical artist who I think has taught at the New York Botanical Gardens over the years, and she does workshops. She's just amazing. All right, I guess that's my turn. Laurie, I actually, um, I have a botanical drawing book by Wendy Hollander. I've been trying to do some drawing in this, this spring, actually. Yeah, she's incredible. Yeah, yeah, uh, really cool. Well, my books are, um, they are the nerdy books of a reference librarian who loves to do every little bit of research before she plants anything. So my books are mostly um, reference books about how to attract birds and bugs and all kinds of anyone you want to attract to your garden. We have um, one of my favorite bird gardening books is called Gardening for the Birds. It's by George Adams. Um, in terms of the bugs, there is Attracting Beneficial Bugs to Your Garden by Jessica Walliser. Raising Butterflies in the Garden by Brenda Ziedzik, Essential shrub, Trees and Shrubs for the Eastern United States, The Guide to Creating a Sustainable Landscape by Tony Dove and Ginger Woolrich, 100 Plants to Feed the Bees, and Gardening for Butterflies, both published by the Xerxes Society, which is another great organization you can join, actually. The Pollinator Victory Garden is new, just came out a couple of years ago. That's a wonderful one, too. And then I put down three titles by um, Doug Tallamy, who I mentioned earlier. I've really just discovered him um, through this podcast, Margaret Roach's podcast I've been listening to. So I haven't read any of his books, but the three of them that are all at the Nyack Library, in fact, all of these books are, are Nature's Best Hope, A New Approach to Conservation That Starts in Your Yard. The Nature of Oaks, The Rich Ecology of Our Most Essential Native Trees, that's the new one, and um, Bringing Nature Home, How You Can Sustain Wildlife with Native Plants. And those all, uh, like I said, are by Doug Tallamy. I would like to second that, that Doug Tallamy is, is a must read for anyone who's getting started with, uh, with planting with natives. Yeah, and someone who just, you know, might want to really just change your thinking a little bit. I think he's, I think he's going to have, he's a good influence. Yeah, I have to say, I've, um, I haven't read the book yet, Belinda, that, of his that you showed to me mm. at the library, um, but I've been trying to get in contact with him. I would love for him to do a program for us, but I haven't been successful yet, so I will keep trying. I'm sure he's mm. very busy. Mm. You've exchanged yeah. once in on that one. 
Yeah. <laughs> I will definitely keep you in the loop, Lori. I mean, God knows if we'll be able to uh, afford them, but <laughs> I figure it's worth it. Can't hurt to ask and see what's going on. Maybe we can split it. Yeah. We'll figure something out. We'll yeah, figure we something will. out. Yeah. yeah. Can, I'm sure we can get people to go in on that. There, yes, there are a lot of, um, there are a number of different groups and organizations in the area that would probably be interested in, in co-sponsoring and maybe we could we could pull something together mm. yeah, yeah first he has one. to answer my emails <laughs> <laughs> yes I will, <laughs> I will keep trying maybe after the semester is over because he's a professor i believe yeah in um i think delaware maybe mm -hmm. yeah it's not too far away but it's not not right here so you might just it's all zoom all the time now anyway so that's true he has no excuse <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for all your knowledge and the, all the recommendations. I'm definitely we we put we take all these different recommendations and we have a, a Georgia created a blog page on the website that lists will list everything and have connections to the whatever's available at in through RCLS. It'll link to the catalog um, so that people can uh, access this on their own time. So now we have our promotion section. Oh, wait, before you do that. Right. Oh, sure, sure. I, I have one, maybe two plugs uh, specifically for the seed exchange. We, we've talked about the NIAC pollinator pathway, and we're hoping that more and more local gardeners become involved in planting natives. And I just want to throw out the idea that, you know, we really would like to build up our stores of seed, of local seeds of plant natives. So please, if you are starting to plant native, keep us in mind. And when you go and gather your seeds, please include us. And the, the other plug I wanted to make was that if you're interested in native plants, but you're daunted by the idea of starting from seed, Cottage Creek on Main Street carries a lot of local plants. And how easy is that? Definitely. I was thinking about them. I didn't write it down in my little outline, but Cottage Creek gardens and does she does Jennifer also in addition to her her store she she still sells plants from her um her home from Valley Cottage I believe so that that might be by appointment I um, think it's know. probably by appointment too but I, I believe she does yeah she's an amazingly valuable resource yeah and, and she's really just um more and more uh planting and selling native plants. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, one thing that I've floated um, by the some of the board members of Riverhook Preserve up in Upper Nyack, mm -hmm. they have they have a lot of plans for that that space. Um, one thing they're going to do, I think they're with the pollinator pathway group, um, they're planning to so like create a meadow re-meadow a section of it basically with local flowers and plants uh, but one thing i brought up which i would definitely want to rope you into Lori and and belinda and whoever else is interested is is creating a um a uh botan oh, i forget what it's called or an herbarium the like for uh like basically a library of of local plants and um like New York Botanical Garden has a huge library. Um, I saw a video of 
about, and there's a whole bunch of people involved. There, there's obviously the librarians and there's scientists who are involved in collecting the specimens, but they also um, encourage citizen scientists, people who learn how to collect and preserve plants to participate and to send them samples. So I think that hopefully in the future, especially once they have uh, actual physical space where they can store things, Right. I think it would be wonderful to start something like that someday. It's a great idea. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sounds I, like fun. I, I think it would be awesome because you could get yeah. kids involved. You, it, it could it, the um, the kits that you need to preserve the plants are relatively inexpensive, and it could be something like the library could be involved in loaning them out, perhaps. And yeah, but do you know how they're preserving the plants? Where at the New York Botanical Garden? Yeah, yeah. If you go, I don't know. See, I haven't bought one of the kits. There's there's a couple of different things. If you you know if you Google it or go to, even go to you know, you can look at it on Amazon. Although I wouldn't use Amazon to purchase them because there's some other websites that are just devoted to herbariums and all the things you need. But we did have Anu, who's a local writer and artist and she uh, took a class at the New York Botanical Garden about preserving plants and she did a program for us last August almost a full year ago which I believe the recording of it is still up on our website oh, cool. so if you want to check it out it was about an hour long and she sort of goes through the whole process and it's it's relatively I mean you can get more detail than with with the um, once you have the plant preserved and how you um, how you notate on on it, it it can get it can get very detailed, yeah. but the actual preserving of the plants is not that difficult. Was she pressing them? Yes, she was pressing them. But I think there's some sort of other kits that involve using a microwave. Yes, I've done that. Yes. I was just <laughs> going to say that. What's brilliant yeah. about the microwave uh, method is that it really preserves the color. Yeah, much yeah. better. So oh, that's some plants don't work, but some work brilliantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, her her the, the kit that she had that she demonstrated with was a, a press, but yeah. they're just beautiful. I think she started doing it because she wanted to hang them up in her home. She does watercolors and is really into drawing plants and painting plants um, and growing them. Yeah, I, I went on a major microwave binge <laughs> a couple <laughs> of seasons ago and had a friend come up who was a painter and we were just like running outside and cutting things and microwaving away. <laughs> it keeps you busy. Yes, it does. <laughs> keeps you out of trouble. Okay, promotion. So I mentioned this in our last podcast, the Nye po Poetry Walk is up and running. Um, it will be running through April 30th. There's poems in 36 places around the villages and Lori Medell, who is one of our guests today, is represented with her haiku. It's at Cottage Creek Gardens on Main Street, if anyone wants to check it out. Uh, for the interactive map and more details about the walk and meet the poets themselves, uh, visit our website, nyaclibrary.org, backward slash poetry walk. Um, Georgia created a beautiful website for us. And also going on in May, early May, uh, local artist and activist Lisa Lavart's program on May 4th is all about her latest project, Goddesses, um, sorry, Goddess on Earth Oracle Cards, which she uh, are about to be released, I believe. Um, 
And on May 5th, we have local women, uh, Judith Rose and Laura Josephson's program, Meeting the Vital Self Through Homeopathy. And you can register for these and all our programs at nyaclibrary.org. Um, in town right now, there's the Nyack Spring Fling, which started at the end of March and it runs through June 20th. And go to visitnyack.org for more info about that. Uh, so next episode, episode eight, we don't have special guests. It's just all Rosemary, Tracy, and Georgia. <laughs> we'll be talking about the library's award-winning Bacchus programs, which Tracy created. Um, the first year was all focused on Toni Morrison, who had passed away and was a, was living at the time of her death in, um, I believe, Upper Grandview or Grandview and Hudson. And also we're gonna talk about how the library has handled the pandemic so far and what we hope to do going forward. Because a lot of things happened in the past year. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. A little bit. <laughs> um, and you can reach us on Twitter Insta and Instagram at Niac Library. We're also on facebook.com slash Niac Library. Also our website, nyaclibrary.org. We have um, the YouTube channel was created by the head of youth services, Aldana Kalmanis, which is the um, Niagara Library from Home. And it started out being having our um, videos during the pandemic, and now it has a lot of our program recordings on there as well. And you can also just email us at info at NiagLibrary.org. I'm Tracy, and I thank you both, Lori and Belinda, for being here. It was great. Oh, sure. It was fun. Yep. But I have one last one last thing to say. If, if sure, you Lord. want to put in an order or to donate seeds, Nyack Seed Exchange at nyacklibrary.org is the best way to get in touch with us. Great. Thank you, Belinda. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Uh, Thank you for listening to episode seven of Paperback.